The views, opinions, and content of the show hosts and their guests appearing on America's Web Radio are their own and do not necessarily reflect those of the station. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. You're listening to America's Web Radio. It's time now for the Doctor's Lounge Show with Dr. Scott Barber. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Doctor's Lounge. I'm Dr. Scott Barber, and you're listening to me on America's Web Radio. Today, I got a huge show for you guys. I'm going to apologize in advance because we're going to be listening to a lot of audio cuts and clips from the 76th World Health Assembly taking place in Geneva, Switzerland. And most of you probably are unaware of this assembly, but it's uh, just another meeting of elite people that are trying to enact a global government system <clears throat> and a world governing body to control all of our lives. It's uh, similar to the World Health Organization, <clears throat> to the uh, World Economic Forum, to the United Nations, all of these places trying to take away our sovereignty uh, and rob us of our wealth uh, through taxation and uh, spread this money among elites. And I'm going to just try and make the case to you that healthcare is a vehicle for these globalists to achieve a world, one world government with you having loss of your sovereignty, no ability to govern yourselves uh, in the way that we were raised. Uh, understanding that the United States of America is a constitutional republic predicated on a rule of law and representative government. We're predicated on federalism where states uh, run run their uh, states the way they see fit. We were taught that this country was 50 incubators of, of uh, democracy. I hate using the word democracy because we're not a democracy. Democracy is mob rule where 51% of the people can vote to steal the, uh, anything or take anything from the other 49%. And sadly, that's what this has turned into. I need everybody to wake up and understand that healthcare is a vehicle for the globalist elites to enact a one world government. And I'm going to prove it to you today. Now, Ever since I've been doing this show, uh, I've been trying to extol the virtues of free market healthcare versus socialized medicine. And when I first started doing this, I really thought that I was just trying to convince people of good faith that mo- one model was better than another. And after doing this for many years, after going to Washington, D.C. to try and talk to our legislators for many years, I've learned that. This isn't uh, people of good faith trying to advocate for what they believe to be a more successful way of implementing health care. I've come to realize socialized medicine, they know it's horrible. The people who advocate for socialized medicine understand that it is a totally awful and horrible way to implement health care. We've demonstrated it on this show time and time again. I've been in medicine for over 30 years now, and I can just tell you that the destruction of the healthcare system is nearly complete, that the perpetrators of socialized medicine, the pushers of socialized medicine, are using it as a tool to achieve political power. Now, 
I just had a lady come to see me yesterday in the office. She had an issue with her shoulder, and when people she has a workers' compensation claim, so you get hurt on the job, you file a workers' compensation claim. They usually uh, the the employer. Uh, predictably and understandably sends their patient to a doctor who sort of uh, has a relationship with the employer and uh, that doctor then takes care of the patient and it's called being the authorized treating physician. I do it as well. I have uh, for example, I take care of the professional rugby team. So I'm the pink panel doctor, meaning when a rugby player gets hurt, um, I'm a designated physician and they come to see me and then I can treat them. Now, sometimes what happens is, and I used to be a work comp doctor for a major um, company uh, that uh, employed a lot of laborers. And when I would, uh, when one of these laborers would be injured, the patients would be referred to me. I'd care for them, uh, and 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 then I would be paid for my services through the work workers' compensation. I found that at the end of the year, they the workers' compensation people would come to me and they'd say, I'm operating too much, I'm keeping patients out of work too much. And in my opinion, I felt I was operating exactly the right amount and I felt like uh, I was doing the right number of surgeries and I felt like I was uh, returning patients to work when appropriate. But of course, workers' compensation uh, insurance people, you know, the people, the employers, they don't want to spend a lot of money on people uh, staying out of work. And to be fair, sometimes people tend to stay out of work longer than they need to. So there's a tension there. And I felt caught in the middle because I'd have an employer that was uh, forcing me to send patients back to work at times when I felt it was unnecessary. They were asking me not to do surgery on patients when I felt that it was appropriate. And then sometimes there was a pit, there was a tension with the patient where I felt they were being a little too careful that they were trying to stay out of work longer than they should. And this is sort of the plight of any orthopedic surgeon who practices when they see workers' compensation uh, patients. It's an issue. I decided a long time ago that being caught in the middle was no place to be and that as a physician, my fidelity was to my patient. And so I just decided a long time ago that I was going to take care of my patients to the best of my ability and that does not mean that if a patient comes to me and they say, I want narcotics when it's not indicated, I'm not doing that. But I do have a relationship with my patients. I do try to understand them and I try to understand their position. And so, uh, you know, I take care of my patients to the best of my ability. And as a result, sometimes employers don't want me to be the, their physician because they know I, I'm not trying to say this, uh, to, to, you know, as a put down to employers, but I'm too much of a patient advocate. And so they don't like me to be their doctor. Okay. Uh, now you have doctors that go the other way. Sometimes they're uh, very, they have very, uh, a high level of fidelity to the work comp employer. And so, you know, they get uh, referred workers comp patients because they're willing to play the game. Anyway, the whole point is, when somebody has a workers' compensation claim, this particular patient I saw the other day had a shoulder surgery at another facility, and she wasn't doing well. And so they sent her to me for what's called an independent medical evaluation, where they just want my opinion about what's happening with the patient, what my recommendations are going forward. And it's a, the way that the workers' comp adjuster can, can determine is the treatment that the patient's undergoing appropriate. 
And uh, so I sat, I talked with this lady, and I, I examined her. She had had a rotator cuff repair, and I explained to her, I, you know, I thought she was doing well, but I thought she was under-recovered. She wasn't ready to, ready to return to full work duty. And so I sat there, and I got the rubber bands out. I showed her how to do her home exercise program. And she said to me something that was very disheartening, but really underlines the entire basis of me doing this show. She said, you've spoken to me more today about my shoulder than any doctor or any nurse has in my entire treatment so far. And sadly, this is what healthcare has become. The government takeover of healthcare, employing physicians, has detached physicians from their patients, destroyed the doctor-patient relationship. And so doctors simply process patients and they don't seem to care about establishing a doctor-patient relationship and about treating individuals as individuals. And I see it time and time again. And from a physician standpoint, I get it. You're you're an employed position. You you don't have a lot of power these days. And it's sort of you either get on board with the global medical governing body or you're going to be out of a job. And sadly, it's the patients that lose. So the other thing I would like to explain to people is I'm not a podcaster. I'm not a media person. I'm just a citizen who has children that live in this world that are going to have to live in this world after I leave it. And I'm terrified in the direction that we're going. I'm terrified what's happening to healthcare. What I have seen in my over 21 years of practice, I've been in medicine for 30 years. I started medical school in in 1992. It's now 2023. I've been in medicine for 31 years. And the deterioration that I've seen in healthcare in regard to the training that medical doctors receive and the system where, you know, we're spending tons of money on insurance. Our insurance doesn't really pay for anything. Patients know they're not getting quality care. They know they're not getting options and they know that they're spending a fortune. But this debate over what kind of healthcare system we're going to have is not just about healthcare anymore. And sadly, I have to get into the politics of it, which my friends, my family, and myself, I don't want to get into politics. I'm a doctor, and that's all I want to be. I want to take care of my patients, and I want to practice medicine. But they will not leave me alone. They will not allow doctors to take care of patients through the way they were trained. Man, I put 13 years, more than that. But once I got into medical school, I put 13 years of my life into training to become an orthopedic surgeon. And I'm talking about training that people don't understand. I mean, I remember when I was in medical school and and after, people will talk to me, oh, what kind of classes did you have in medical school? And I'll say, you know, we had biochemistry. And they'll say, oh, I had biochemistry in college. And I'll look at them and I'll be like, you didn't have this biochemistry. I mean, the amount of material that you had to digest in medical school. And remember, I had a reading disability. This was the hardest thing I ever did in my life. I'm telling you, for four years... All I did, morning, noon, and night, every waking moment was study, read, practice my craft. Then, that after four years of that, that got me to the starting line. And then I have been practicing medicine now for 30 years, and practicing medicine is a process. It's learning to digest information, learning how to apply that information, actually treating patients and seeing what works and what doesn't work. Uh, you know, I'll have people ask me all the time, you know, what what in, what um what references do you consider to be expert, meaning textbooks or journal articles? And the answer is none. 
I'll look at textbooks today and I'll read it. I'll be like, no, totally disagree with that. Journal articles are a complete joke. I've tried to explain to you guys over and over again how medical journals are affected by politics and also by, you know, a boys club. You know, not necessarily that they're boys, but it's people in the club. They're the ones who get to publish papers and people who get to know people tend to get published more often. If you're somebody that the establishment likes, you get more opportunities to publish. If you're somebody the establishment doesn't like, you won't get published. And I'll just tell you flat out, if you want to do a study that proves that climate change is not happening, you're not going to get a grant. You're not going to get funded and you're not going to get a journal to look at that article and publish it because the powers that be don't want that information. I've shown you on this show that the former editors of the New England Journal of Medicine and The Lancet, the two top medical journals on the planet, have stated that you are more likely to get the wrong information from these medical journals than the correct information. I've showed you on this show during the pandemic, during the height of the pandemic, when we were trying to explain to people that Early treatment was available, and now there's tons of studies out there. I don't know if I'm going to get uh, banned or or censored. Well, I already have been banned and censored so much, I don't know that they could do it anymore. But we know that the New England Journal of Medicine and the Lancet had to retract fake studies on hydroxychloroquine two weeks after they were published when they got busted using fake information, Okay. What I thought was one of the hugest scandals on the planet. We're in the middle of this so-called pandemic. We got medicine that could help. And these two major medical journals came out with fake stories. And then it just kind of they retracted it. And that was the end of it. We're not talking about it anymore. Now, I've explained to you on this show that you need to be aware of the world that you're living in. We are not living in a constitutional republic right now where we have a rule of law and we have freedom of speech. All right. You're you're increasingly hearing people talking about appeals to authority. Right. I'm not allowed to tell you my experiences in medicine because I'm not a member of the World Health Organization. And they you know, try to designate, well, the CDC and the World Health Organization say things different than you. How many times have I demonstrated on this show that the CDC and the World Health Organization are fallible? Now, you can draw your own conclusions as to whether or not that fallibility is an honest mistake or if they're trying to scam us, that's your own decision to make. But there's no question that they have been factually wrong about a lot of stuff. Let's just talk about masks. They work, they don't work. And now the Cochrane Library just came out and stated they did a meta-analysis on masks. The masks don't work, including the N95 in vivo for the transmission of these respiratory illnesses. But yet I can't say anything if the World Health Organization or the CDC or the FDA says differently. They try to use fact checkers. Now, I've come to realize fact checkers, when they deploy the fact checkers, what they're really trying to do is get you off the truth. If you hear something out there that's truthful and it injures these people that are trying to push this global governing system, uh, you're going to hear the fact checkers come in and try and throw you off the scent misinformation. You get labeled the known spreader of misinformation. It only happens in one direction. When I was here talking to you guys during the COVID pandemic about every single thing that uh, turned out to be true, that the uh, mortality rate of of COVID was more al- aligned with a, a flu than uh, some 3.4% that was originally stated by the um, uh 
Royal College of London. That 3.4% mortality thing was a, was the impetus for us going into these lockdowns and everybody being terrified. I knew at the time that that was a joke. And then of course, after they already got the lockdowns and everything, they, they uh, came out with the truth that the mortality rate was more in line with a, with a flu epidemic. Um, the the masks working and not working. I mean, this study. I've studied masks for thirty years, and we did not. I, that's the one thing you guys need to understand. The Cochrane Library coming out with this meta analysis of all the studies on masks and concluding that masks are ineffective at preventing the transmission of respiratory illnesses, uh, these viral respiratory illnesses. That's not new information. We did not learn anything new during COVID. Okay. Nothing. There was no new information we got that was like, Oh, okay. Now we know the masks don't work. They've done these studies for a long time. And all they did was reaffirm what I studied in medical school 30 years ago. Uh, cancellation. Um, I've been now for years. Every time I see something on a social media, Instagram, Twitter, whatever, I'll save it. And then I go back to, um, uh, to look at it. And uh, it's not there anymore. Uh, that's more of a memory hole. That's what we're getting, where they take information like Gretchen Whitmer uh, dismissing the CDC, right? So she was being confronted by a journalist who was saying, if you look at the numbers, Florida did better than Michigan, and Florida didn't use masks. They didn't have, or, you know, didn't mandate masks, and they didn't have these lockdowns, and they opened up, and, and Michigan did not, and yet... Florida had better outcomes with regarding COVID. And she just said something to the effect of like, well, you know, I just do my own thing. I'm not really taking them at their word. And it's kind of like if you're aligned with these globalists, you can pick and choose which experts you want to follow. But the rest of us, uh, we're not allowed to. So cancellation, I got wiped out of a lot of social media. Uh, I've been canceled over and over again. And I'm just a regular guy. I mean, I'm not even a player here, right? I just do this podcast because it's a bit cathartic for me and because I'm frustrated that the powers that be are just denying free speech and denying people the ability to make decisions for themselves. And they're constantly using these techniques to feed you a narrative that is not the truth. Now, they have this guy, Dr. Ahmad Malik, who's um, he's a, a British surgeon, and um, he he posted this. Online, and I thought this is his, on his Twitter account doc, at Doc Ahmad Malik. I want you guys to listen to this. Everyone, um, Ahmad Malik here. So I'm doing this video to update you about my last tweet. Um, earlier on today, I had an email from my medical director stating that they had an anonymous complaint, complaining about my disgusting behaviour online. And for apparent misinformation, they don't like what I'm saying about the vaccine and they don't like what I'm saying about masks, for example. Strangely, the medical directors asked for a meeting to discuss all of this, which I think is slightly bizarre. Every single time someone complains, does, do I have to have a meeting to explain? Uh, does there have to be an investigation? I found one thing in life um, is that you cannot please everyone all of the time. Every time it's just not possible. So, if this is just one anonymous complaint from God knows who, could be the 77th Brigade, could be the government, I don't know. I mean, it could be a real person, who knows. Um, I thought, well, what about all the people who probably want to support me? Voila, yourselves. Um, I tweeted, would anyone want to support me? I've had almost 2,000 likes in two hours. I've had hundreds of people saying yes. For that, I am grateful because I'm trying to stand up for medical ethics, for freedom, for liberty, 
um, to speak up regarding patient safety and your support would really be helpful. I'm thinking of putting up a link tomorrow in which um, you can click and write your um, letters of support. Guys, I... All right. I don't know this guy, Dr. Ahmad Malik. I don't know him. He's on Twitter and it looks like he has uh 102,000 followers, almost 103,000 followers. Uh, just says, uh, honest surgeon advocating for medical ethics, freedom, speech, good health. He's the host of the Doc Malik podcast. I know nothing about this guy. Apparently, he's a British surgeon, but you know what he's saying? He's saying the exact same things that happened to me. It doesn't matter what he thinks about masks and vaccines and other things. It doesn't matter. Why can't he share his opinion? That should be a red flag to you people that what is going on is not appropriate. It's not healthy. It's not safe. And I'm going to show you how the cancellation of regular doctors, myself included, is putting you guys in danger. And, you know, this is maybe one of the most important podcasts I've ever done. Because while we're sitting here, you got a bunch of globalist elites meeting in Geneva, Switzerland at the 76th World Health Assembly, passing regulations, passing they're calling it an accord, but it's an agreement that apparently the 193 countries of the world are signing on to. And uh, Congressman Michelle Bachman is there reporting on it. And apparently she, the United States is agreeing to allow the World Health Organization, which was wrong over and over and over again with these masking, the lockdowns, the forced vaccinations uh, in this country. They're allowing the World Health Organization to control us. And I'm going to show you a lot of this stuff. So just to just to reiterate, because it's really important, the 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 devices that they use to censor speech, these appeals to authority. Oh, you're not a doctor or the CDC says so or the who says I've told you a million times in my life. I've learned you don't trust anybody based on their uh, education, based on their position. They still have to prove their uh, position and you still have the right as a free and sovereign person to question them. Anytime you see fact checkers deployed, you know something is rotten. There's no such thing as a fact checker. And even my high school and middle school age children understand this. Who gets to be a fact checker? Who decides who the fact checkers are? And why do we keep listening to fact checkers when they're wrong about everything? They say that we're, I would, you know, fact checkers were descended on me about everything I said about COVID. Uh, but yet I turned out to be a hundred percent correct in everything I said. Uh, this known spreader of misinformation means they're spreading truth. In my opinion, be, just be aware of it. Uh, anytime you see somebody being canceled, uh, Dr. Robert Maloney, um, and others, a million, you know, basically every other important uh, physician uh, that was going against the regime of the world, these globalists, uh, was canceled. Um, memory hole. They take information. You can't find it again. And this happens all the time. You uh, independent uh, sleuths out there, when you see a video on Twitter or Instagram or Facebook or something, copy it on your cell phone because the memory hole people are trying to get rid of it. Uh Anytime they use the term best practices, this is something that always was odd to me in medical school. Here I am spending my life learning how to practice something. And, you know, I consider myself to have unique expertise in this area. And that's not to say that I know everything. I don't. But I have a a body of expertise in my field that is unique to me. And I deserve the right. I have earned the right 
to be able to go in a group of my colleagues and share my opinions. And they, I, they, nobody has the right to cancel me. You can listen to me and say I'm wrong. You can try and use facts to try and discredit what I'm saying. That's what used to be the scientific method. But to just cancel me and take away platforms and just not allow me to speak, this is outrageous. Um, the idea of evidence-based, right? They'll say, well, that's not evidence-based. Okay, first of all, not everything is amenable to evidence, okay? That's why they call it the art of medicine and the practice of medicine. You know, I use things like platelet-rich plasma. Uh, it's not it's not possible to prove beyond a, a shadow of a doubt that, you know, platelet-rich plasma does the things that we think it does. But the Hippocratic Oath for Physicians is to do no harm. And so I use my expertise to understand that, if I use platelet-rich plasma, it's not important what it is. It's just a tool that we use in medicine. The point is, I use it a lot, and then people will try and come at me with, oh, that's not evidence-based medicine in the manner that you're using it. That is the art of medicine. And so when you hear people try and implement evidence-based, my antenna always go up like uh, something is rotten. Um, I want to give you guys a, a good example of this because for the last, I don't know, at least many years, uh, we haven't heard much about climate change. Now, to me, climate change is the biggest joke in the world. And the reason is because they keep lying about it, right? They keep making absurd statements. Go back and watch Al Gore's Inconvenient Truth. He made all these claims that were going to happen 20 years in the future, and all those dates kind of came and went, and none of them came true. The polar bears aren't extinct. These climate goons had to uh, remove the polar bear as the icon for climate change because there's so many polar bears. It was just stupid to have it the icon. Uh, New York is not underwater and so on and so on. So they're wrong about everything. And I've lived a long enough life to remember when Time Magazine told me it was uh, the coming ice age. Then they changed this global warming. Then they changed it to climate change. And they keep telling me the only thing we need to protect you from this horrible disaster uh, that's coming upon us is just give us all your money and all your sovereignty. Okay, I was born at night, but I wasn't born last night. So I want you to listen to this guy, the founder of the Weather Channel on CNN. This is amazing that this was able to get through, but it's but it's awesome, and I love it. And you need it to be in the right frame of reference. Since you're calling me a denier, that is a, a word meant to put... Yeah, let me do that again. And I want to make it darn clear, Mr. Kennedy's not a scientist. I am. He's the CEO of the Weather Channel now. I was the founder of the Weather Channel, not the co-founder. And I'm glad you did, because I am addicted to the Weather Channel. I watch a lot of cable news. Hold on just a minute. I'm not done. And CNN has taken a very strong position on global warming that is that it is a consensus. Well, there is no consensus in science. Science isn't a vote. Science is about facts. And if you get down to the hard, cold facts, uh, there's no question about it. Climate change is not happening. There is no significant man-made global warming now. There hasn't been any in the past, and there's no reason to expect any in the future. There's a whole lot of baloney. And yes, it is. it has become a big political point of the Democratic Party and part of their platform. And I regret it's become political instead of scientific. But the science is on my side. I don't think we're going to come to a conclusion about the topic right here. What I do wonder, well, I know though, is when not, you see... I we're not, because you wouldn't the... allow it to happen on CNN. 
but I'm happy well, that we, I got on the air and got a chance to talk to your, uh, to your viewers. Hello, everybody. What there I is do, no global warming. What I do wonder is when you see the government, when you see NASA, when you see other institutions say that 97% of climate scientists agree, do you think they're making it up? I, I, what I don't understand is how you well, square that. Well, that's a manipulated that. figure, and let me explain it to you. Uh, the the uh, government puts out about $2.5 billion directly for climate research every year. It only gives that money to scientists who will produce scientific results that support the global warming hypothesis of the Democrat Party opposition. So they don't have any choice. If you're going to get the money, you've got to support their position. Therefore, 97% of the scientific reports published support global warming. Why? Because those are the ones the government pays for, and that's where the money is. I mean, come on, folks. That guy just said it right there. And you saw Brian Stelter. He just can't help himself. Uh, well, NASA and uh, all these other experts say differently. 97% of climate scientists. It's just when you hear that, your antenna need to go up, and you need to know that you're being scammed. Now, the reason that I wanted to play that uh, iconic clip of the founder of the Weather Channel on CNN, be able, be, basically be able to speak truth about climate change and their little scam on CNN is because it's playing into what's happening at the World Health Assembly right now. Now, I got this from Steve Bannon's War Room and some other podcasts, and uh, I'm going to make sure I try and um, I know I was uh, I got some from the Dan Bongino show and I got also another from Grace Chong, uh, uh, who's um, uh, the CEO, I think, and CFO of The War Room, which is Steve Bannon's podcast. And uh, so you have Michelle Bachman, Congressman Michelle Bachman. She's been at the World Health Org Assembly in Geneva, Switzerland, where all the elitists are meeting. And I want you to hear what's happening uh, in uh, to us. And what's uh, what's going down? Because this is really scary stuff. Uh, and I'm going to need you guys uh, to be reaching out to your elected officials because we're running out of time. So let's start off uh, with uh, Michelle Bachman's report. Oh, actually, no, I want you to listen to Ted Rose. The states are hosting discussions on amendments to the international health regulations. Next week, countries will begin negotiations on a zero draft of the new pandemic accord. These discussions will be crucial for building a more effective health security architecture for the future, grounded in international law, equity, and the fundamental right to health for all people. This week, WHO member states are hosting discussions on amendments to the international health regulations. Next week, countries will begin negotiations on a zero draft of the new pandemic accord. These discussions will be crucial for building a more effective health security architecture for the future, grounded in international law, equity, and the fundamental right to health for all people. This week, WHO member states are hosting discussions on amendments to the... All right, that's Dr. Tedros Jabrizi. I'm not even sure if he's a medical doctor. He is the hand-picked leader of the WHO by the Chinese Communist Party. And we have demonstrated on this show many times how Tedros, he's uh, from Ethiopia. He's prior of the Chinese Belt and Roads Initiative, where basically the Chinese Communist Party gets into these countries and builds a ton of infrastructure, gets these countries in debt to China, and basically takes over the, the country through uh, economic uh, control. 
And so this Jabrizi Tedros guy is the leader of the World Health Organization. He was wrong over and over again, lied to the world over and over again, and basically did the bidding of the Chinese Communist Party. And yet we still have American politicians that are trying to subordinate the sovereignty of the United States to the World Health Organization. Now, this is utterly ridiculous. The World Health Organization is a clown show, and they have been lying about everything. They've been busted over and over again <clears throat> over the years, uh, being uh, engaging in corrupt practices like paying off the doctors to endorse bogus studies to uh, allow um, um, pharmaceutical companies to use use uh, drugs that are, are less than safe and effective. And so here's Michelle Bachman on Steve Bannon's War Room. I want you to listen to what she has to say. What we need everyone in Congress and the Senate to do, quite frankly, is get the United States out of the World Health Organization. And I appreciate the defunding. That's a great thing that Donald Trump did. But we also need to follow Donald Trump's example and get the United States out. It's the only way we're going to get away from their plans to create a platform for global governance. Today uh, was the Sustainable Roundtable at the World Health Assembly on climate change. And so, believe it or not, the centerpiece of today was forcing all these delegates to listen to none other than John Kerry from the United States. He was introduced by his daughter, uh, Dr. Vanessa Kerry, who, by the way, is the head of the Global Seed Foundation. And uh, she is a recipient of millions of dollars from the uh, Clinton uh, Health Initiative. So all this, there's this incestuous relationship of organizations and money. But the big thing today is this. The head of the World Health Organization, Tedros Gebrasius, said that the climate crisis is a health crisis. He said that climate crisis is their priority. Climate is the number one mission of healthcare. So they, they, one of the doctors in charge of the environment and climate at the World Health Organization said very clearly that we were focused on infectious diseases, but now we're going to be moving away from infectious diseases and we're going to focus now on climate change. So the, so all of these climate change people who saw they were going to establish global government through climate change, now they see after the pandemic, and that works so well for the World Health Organization to try to control people's lives, now they see that the platform, if you will, for global government is coming through health care. So the climate... All right, so that's the important thing, right? I've said that on this show a million times, that the the... The concept of government-run healthcare is a means of obtaining uh, political power. And through political power, you can uh, control the wealth of nations. And <clears throat> we saw uh, during the COVID crisis, we saw Congress uh, after the uh, these elitist cabal of uh, three-letter agencies, the CDC, the HHS, the World Health Organization, uh, basically banning any opposing thought by labeling, labeling people known spreaders of misinformation. They had the Royal College of London come out and say 3.4% mortality. They published these fake studies in the New England Journal of Medicine and the Lancet saying that hydroxychloroquine was ineffective. They forced the vaccine on everybody when just as a regular doctor. And listen, I'm not saying anything controversial here. I've said it during the pandemic and I'll say it now. When you come out with a new vaccine, 
you don't know what the long-term ramifications of that are for like 10 years. That's what I was trained in medical school. So anybody out there who wants to attack me, anybody out there who wants to censor me or label me as a known spreader of misinformation or report me to the medical board, I'm telling you that's what I was trained and what I learned in medical school. So if my children have a minimal risk, which is reported by the World Health Organization, the risk of school-aged children to this COVID uh, virus is minuscule. It is a rational thing to, for a parent to think to themselves, do I go with an unknown virus or do I go uh, with an unknown vaccine? And that's a reasonable, um, that's a reasonable decision uh, that people should be allowed to make, but we weren't allowed to make it. Okay. Now, John Kerry is, uh, over there at this World Health Assembly and his daughter, who apparently has some power as well, they're trying to implement this global governing body. Now, for those of you who might not be aware of Brexit, I hope most people who listen to this podcast have probably heard of Brexit, where basically the British uh, British people were under the oppressive thumb of the European Union. And so decisions were made at the European Union uh, government in um, um, I'm blanking on it uh, Belgium uh, Brussels, Belgium is where the headquarters of the European Union is and they were passing regulations and accords. They use these euphemisms but what they're really saying is they're passing laws and the British people on immigration and other things, the way their money is being spent um, regulations on um <clears throat> the use of fossil fuels and all these types of things. And the British people have no ability to vote these European Union politicians out of office. They don't have any way to voice their their um, disagreement with any decisions that they make. And so that was the genesis of the Brexit movement, which was for Britain to get out of the European Union and and retain their own sovereignty so that the people of Britain could make their own decisions about how they wanted their country run. Well, the the United States with our constitutional republic, our constitutional republic, not democracy, our constitutional republic predicated on the rule of law and the constitution that puts limits on the government, not on our people. The constitution puts limits on the government. And now that Donald Trump was able to get into office and appoint uh, Supreme Court judges is, that are no longer rubber stamping this globalist march towards the, you know, this uh, globalist governing body and this left wing agenda. They have to take a different tack. The leftists, the globalists, the Marxists, uh, they're not able to get through the Constitutional Republic of the United States. And so what they're trying to do is circumvent it by using this world, uh, health assembly and this global governments and cede our sovereignty to the World Health Organization. And if we don't speak up, if we don't contact our elected leaders right now and tell them absolutely not, when we engage in a treaty, the Constitution says that they need to go before Congress and get it approved uh, through Congress. They know that that won't happen. And so they're trying to sign on to what they call an accord. Let's listen to what Michelle Bachman had to say next. Climate change people are jumping square in. They were given the centerpiece stool today, if you will. They were all cheered by uh, the, the head, Tedros Gibracious, saying the same thing that John Kerry was saying. And John Kerry said, well, 
I never thought about health care before. I never thought health care had anything to do with climate change until my daughter, Vanessa, his 46-year-old daughter, taught him to uh, turn on the light bulb and realize that really uh, the centerpiece of health care is ch- climate change and that climate change causes the health care problems in the world. That's what was stated today. So now what we're seeing is once again, our old friend climate change is going to be one of the drivers of decision making at the World Health Organization. So when I spoke to you before. okay, so you guys see what's happening here. Uh, They're going to climate change, right? So we just got finished using the pandemic to implement all of these uh, population control mechanisms where they implemented lockdowns and we saw how that was done differently across the world. I can remember somebody on the beach in Australia at a police helicopter landing. You know, these people were violated. I mean, what was going on in Australia was absolutely unconscionable with how long they had these lockdowns, their restrictions on their ability to exercise, when they could go shop. Um, you know, in our own country, we had this battle going on and thank God, that we live in a constitutional republic that's still got somewhat of a functioning uh, mechanism to it that uh, places like uh, Florida uh, were able to escape a lot of the these uh, draconian measures, not based in any science, but just being implemented by Marxist globalist um, um, tyrants like uh, Governor Whitner in uh, Michigan. Um you see what they're trying to do here. They're trying to cede authority to the World Health Organization. And, you know, people will say, well, wait a second. I'm not sure if masks don't work. Ah, that person's a known spreader of misinformation. Cancel them. Hey, I want to post this study I found. <clears throat> Denied. <clears throat> You're not allowed to post that. So they're trying to go to an authoritative body, the World Health Organization, and they're going to use climate change as a predicate to start controlling the way we live. And you think this is not happening we already see the elimination of fossil fuels. That's why it's so expensive here. Um, they're constantly trying to push this green energy uh, program agenda that is utterly ridiculous, utterly ridiculous. There's no technology to transfer all of our energy needs from fossil fuels to green energy, and yet they're doing it. Uh, I think California just passed a law uh, outlawing gas stoves. And when people like me were saying, hey, California's getting ready to pass a law banning gas stoves, people, oh, that guy's a conspiracy theorist. He's a known spreader of misinformation. Canceled, right? So there's no ability to discuss these things, and I'm going to prove it to you. Now, you want to know who John Kerry is? Let's look at John Kerry, because I always find this to be amazing. This is the type of person that uh, we're trying to cede authority to um, and trying to um uh, you know basically let this person decide how the world functions listen to john Kerry being interviewed by tom massey on climate change congressman tom or senator it's on parts per million of uh, co2 in the atmosphere about 406 406 today okay 406 are you aware 350 being the level that scientists have said is dangerous Okay, are you aware? 350 is dangerous. Wow. Are you aware that since mammals have walked the planet, the average has been over a 1,000 parts per million? Yeah, but we weren't walking the planet. It's. Um, let me just share with you that we now know that definitively at no point during the least the past 800,000 years 
has atmospheric CO2 been as high as it is today? The reason you chose 800,000 years ago is because for 200 million years before that, it was greater than than it is today. And I'm going to say for the record. Yeah, but there weren't human beings. I mean, there was a different world, folks. We didn't have 7 billion people. So how did it get to 2,000 parts per million if we humans weren't here? Because there were all kinds of geologic events happening on Earth which spewed up. Did geology stop when we got on the planet? Mr. Chairman, this is just not a serious conversation. Your your testimony is not serious. I agree. Okay, you see what's going on there? You got this clown, this clown, John Kerry. He's sitting before Congress, and Congressman Tom Massey is asking him some basic questions about climate change. And, of course, John Kerry's used to going into his uh, little shtick with no opposition, no, he never is in a world where he has to defend his position. He just gets to make these absurd statements. And then when you have somebody that actually questions him, he's wholly incapable of defending his position using science. Just like, well, this is just not a serious conversation. And of course, this kind of stuff gets memory hold and canceled. Are you really willing to cede your sovereignty over to these people at the World Health Organization to make decisions about that affect your children's everything from their health care to our energy to our economic policy with no ability for you to question these clowns? I mean, this is absolutely unbelievable. I'm telling you, I've spent my entire life in science. All right. I have been around these people and I'm always mentoring young people, medical students and PA students uh, that are with me. And I'm always saying, listen, and I was told this when I was going through my training, don't ever turn your brain off. Don't ever listen to somebody just because of a position they hold or because of an educational milestone that they achieved. They still are people and they still have the ability to be fallible. Okay. And when people lie to me all the time, I stop listening to them. Okay. I don't understand why anybody watches CNN all the time. I don't get it. Uh, you know, I have a lot of people will say, man, you went to Berkeley, Barber? Like, that's just unbelievable that you went to Berkeley. And I always tell them, like, I wasn't born like this. When I was in college, I had no understanding of politics. I didn't even care. I was playing sports. I was chasing girls. I was trying to get into medical school. In a lot of ways, I wasn't serious enough about it, which is why it took me so long to get into medical school. But I watched the world happen to me before my very eyes, and I saw the things that worked and that didn't work, and I made these judgments based on my personal experience, okay? And I don't consider myself a radical person. I consider myself normal. You got young kids that are, that are, you know, under five years old, and they're like, oh, I'm a boy, but I think I'm a girl. And I'm like, hey, man, I don't know if we should be giving them hormone blockers. And I don't know if we, you know, should be indulging that. And I get labeled a kook. I'm sorry. We're cutting the genitals off of prepubescent children. Okay. And that's considered radical. I'm sorry. You're not going to browbeat me into that. I'm watching elections, what's going on in Arizona. Okay. Where it's just you have to literally be brain dead to not realize that the governor's race in Arizona was stolen. I mean, seriously. The way they, in Maricopa County, uh, messed with the balloting, you know, different size ballots for the machines to be scanned in, and the uh, the election integrity was overseen by Katie Hobbs, the other candidate who won. I mean, are you kidding me? <clears throat> People, you need to wake up. And I know a lot of you are awake and you're just trying to lay low. I get it. 
I want to lay low too. I don't want to be bothered. I want to, you know, I want to live my life. I want to be a doctor. And these people that we're fighting against are ruthless. They will destroy you. Just look at the people from January 6th in prison, right? A lot of these people in prison, I have no idea what they did. I just know that if you're on one side, you get to burn down the country and nothing happens. In fact, you get politicians buying you like Kamala Harris paying for you to get out of jail. If you're on another side and you just happen to be somewhere, you're going to prison and they're throwing away the key. This kind of stuff is very scary. And if you don't at least stand up and say, listen, there's only two genders, that's scientific. And maybe cutting the genitals off of prepubescent children is not appropriate. And please stop if people are trying to say it's not happening. It's 100% happening, okay? The media just memory holds it. And what's going on right now at the 76th World Health Assembly should be front page news everywhere in the country, and it's not. Okay, people like me are having to find it in hole in the wall places like Steve Bannon, which regardless of what you think about him, the guy's savaged, right? They got the the establishment goes out of their way to destroy somebody and make them out to be this evil person so that you're ashamed to like, oh, he he quoted Steve Bannon or he got a cut from Steve Bannon. Therefore, it must not be acceptable. You guys need to open your mind, man. They're trying to manipulate you and and, you know, make you feel uh, stupid for what you're thinking. Listen, I'm telling you that in the last 30 years with this, uh, and they call it different things, but they're trying to do this diversity, equity, and inclusion thing at the expense of merit. Okay. And what is happening when, you know, now we're, we're reaping the, the penalties of that. You know, I'm telling you in medicine that a lot of uh, the doctors I'm dealing with that are coming out are just so poorly trained and so incapable of delivering proper health care. They don't have the right temperament. Right. They don't establish a doctor patient relationship. They're government bureaucrats, which is why your health care sucks so badly. OK, and let's just look at um, uh, this one. I always like is uh, this is uh, Senator Ted Budd questioning Phil uh, Washington for position of FAH chief, federal uh, aeronautics and aviation chief. I want you to just listen to this clown. Ah, I guess we won't be listening to it because it's been memory hold. Okay, but basically, Senator Ted Budd was questioning Phil Washington, asking him basic stuff about plane. I'm being hyperbolic right now. I don't remember what it was, but he's like, you know, what are wings? And, you know, what is an engine? And, you know, what does a plane do? And this, you know, Washington was like, well, I'm not familiar with that. I didn't come across that. I mean, just basic stuff about flying. He didn't know anything. And, of course, it's been memory hold because it's so absurdly embarrassing to the regime and it will influence even slightly kooky people into going wow maybe that is a little crazy what the regime is doing uh, and of course rather than letting you hear it they had to memory hole it um now this is grace chong uh i got this off of twitter she's uh and so hat tip to grace chong this is uh, michelle bachman from the 76 world health assembly listen to what she has to say here if you were to come back, given we're in a, in, a, in a debt ceiling and spending crisis right now, we're arguing, yeah. you see the additional billions and hundreds of billions they're committing to over there that are not even in the budgets right now. If you were to come back and present to the House, to your former colleagues, walk me through your presentation of, of what the U.S. regime is over there with no authority. They haven't, there's been no presentations to Congress about that. Kerry hasn't come and talked to anybody about this. No, nobody's talked about that. Nobody's talked about the World Health Organization. It's to complete crickets over here. They're trying to jam this through with nobody looking at it. That's where we're covering it wall to wall. Walk through, Congressman Bachman, what would you tell your colleagues? I would tell them, number one, 
don't even talk to Joe Biden until he agrees to pull the United States out of the World Health Organization. Number one, you, you pull it out, then we'll start the negotiations. You begin there. For this reason, they already have a pandemic treaty here that they're looking at, that they're working on. It's already written out. They already have 300 amendments to the international health rules where they're going to turn the organization from advisory to this will be the world government organization. They need to understand we aren't living under what we learned in our school books about the Constitution and the Declaration of Independence. We're living in an era where the treasonous people who are running our government are trying to build a global government. They're trying to give our sovereignty and they're trying to encourage, this is even worse, they're trying to encourage all 194 member nations to give their sovereignty over to a bum organization like the World Health Organization driven by the climate change agenda. And this will be billions of dollars out of our treasury because of the word equity, 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 inclusion, inclusion, inclusion. It's our treasury money that will come in to this global governance, and this will be used for the funding. So are we going to get richer? We're going to get miserable and poor because our revenues are going to go into this unending pot of money because I'm telling you, I saw the delegates. I was with them. They all believe without a shadow of a doubt they're going to have American-style health care, and it's going to be equity, equity. And so we are going to be paying for the whole world to have what we have at the Mayo Clinic in Rochester, Minnesota. That's what their thinking is. That's what they're led to believe. And I will tell you, I don't know if I've said this yet, the same pre-COVID narrative, that's what I'm hearing here. You would never think we went through what we went through with the pandemic. You'd never have a, a, even a sense of that. They haven't talked one word about vaccines or adverse reactions or any of the other problems that we have or the problems with lockdowns or the problems with masking. You haven't heard one thing about that. What you've heard here is a doubling down on all the mistakes that the World Health Organization made. Oh, they're planning to double down and do more of the same and dish it out. And one year from this week is when they plan to pass it. And I'm telling you, there wasn't one ounce of dissent. Not I, This is my seventh day here. There hasn't been one word of a dis- dissent by any delegate, certainly not the United States. I sent to your producer a photo that Tedros Gebrasius, the uh, director general of the WHO, he has a picture of himself with our U.S. Secretary of Health and Human Services. His arm is around Xavier Becerra's saying, this is my guy. This is my friend. We're, we're working on the pandemic treaty. We're working on the amendments to the international health rules. We are all, the, I, I want to thank him that America is all committed and we are going to get this done. So all I can say to you, America, and to the United States Congress, is unless we register some dissent, unless Congress finally gets off their hind legs and says, get us out of the World Health Organization, this is going to be done from a a year from now. They're going to do a simulation this fall based upon the proposed pandemic treaty and based upon these proposed amendments. They're going to do a simulation this fall acting under as though this is already a done deal, but a year from now they plan implementation. So just be prepared. If they take another bioweapon and release it, oh, this will be done. So, you gotta, 
you got to understand what's going on here. <clears throat> they cannot get their policies through through regular order, you know, where Congress makes a bill that's voted on in Congress. We pass a law, a treaty that we're going to engage in or that we're going to sign on to gets passed through normal, regular. They can't do it. And so they're trying to go around it by ceding power to the bureaucracy. Now, I saw this when I used to go up to D.C. and try to talk to members of Congress about the money that we're wasting in health care and about the tax, um, about the overspending they were doing that we get, you know, we have a deficit all the time. What they would tell me as well, you know, this spending is, it's baked into the cake. It's not up to me. And so these congressmen and senators basically tell you they're victims. Like, uh, you know, oh, I can't help myself because, uh, you know, this stuff is already done and, you know, I agree with you, but I can't help it. They're trying to do the same thing <clears throat> with the World Health Organization. They are trying to cede power to the World Health Organization so that they can start making decisions that affect our lives regarding our health care, our economics, our energy. Okay? It's going to impact your children. It's going to impact your businesses. It's going to impact every way that you live. And what this show is predicated on, it's going to destroy your health care. You guys all need to pick up the phone. You need to contact your elected representatives and you need to say no negotiations on the debt ceiling until we withdraw from the World Health Organization, which I have shown you over and over again is a corrupt organization. And that's why you see clowns like John Kerry out there trying to push it. Our HHS secretary, we've already shown you how over and over again, how the HHS, they were the real spreaders of misinformation. And, and Xavier Baceres is there with, with, uh, China's guy, Chedros Jabrizi. Okay. Now, um, I got so much more. I'm going to pick this up next time. I want you guys to have a great day. Remember, call your congressmen, call your senators, get us out of the World Health Organization. You're listening to Dr. Scott Barber on the Doctor's Lounge. This is America's Web Radio. We'll catch you next time. Have a great day. The views, opinions, and content of the show hosts and their guests appearing on America's Web Radio are their own and do not necessarily reflect those of the station. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening.